0: and welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Maher with this week's sermon.
1: Well, joy to be with you today. And uh, my goodness, following up on last week, I have to say uh, thank you to those of you that were a part of our time together. Last week, I... Uh, was able to celebrate with you 25 years of being your pastor. And boy, you just loved on us again last Sunday. Thank you for the cards and, and uh, the prayers and the well wishes on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Tanya and I sit down and, and kind of sit up in the bed together and we read every card. And uh, we just thank you for just the way you express your love for us. It has been an absolute honor uh, to, uh, to, to serve as your pastor, one of the greatest of my lives. And, and uh, goodness, you just did so many wonderful things to make it special. Uh, the very fact that the choir, uh, dressed in purple and gold, on last Sunday, they might have not known why. You know, they get a little thing that says this is the color we're going to wear. You notice that they're kind of color-coordinated from time to time, and it was purple and gold it's because that's LSU colors, man. And you looked really good in LSU colors, so I'm just excited about that. Uh, but I will tell you this, you know, having been in Texas for 25 years, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of learning to let go of most things Louisiana um, except for the food. And I'm sorry, Uh, I I still think the food of Louisiana is the best there is. I like what Jeff Foxworthy said when he agreed that it's the best food there is. Just don't ask what it is. That probably is a safe thing. Well, thank you so much for loving on us. Well, today, I want to continue with a series of messages we started a few weeks ago uh, called Vital Questions. And, uh, and what we've done is we're looking at questions that at one time or another we have probably asked. And, uh, and if we're honest, most of us have, have asked some of the questions that we have looked at. And today I want to look at a question I'd, I bet many of us have asked. And that is the question, does God forgive sin? Or, or maybe there's a variation of that question. It would be this. Will God forgive my sin? You see, there are many of us that believe God forgives sin. Sure, God will forgive everybody, no matter what they've done. But yet, there's a question mark that many of us carry with us throughout our life, and that is, I know God will forgive you. I'm just not sure he will forgive me. And it might be because you've not forgiven yourself. There are things in our life that we struggle with. And this question that we ask, and in our pursuit of an answer to some of these vital questions, has led us to the book of Psalms. And every one of the questions we've looked at and the answers we've discovered have come from the book of Psalms. And I think the reason for that is because the psalmist is so honest, and he's so willing to ask those questions that we ask, and he will blurt the question out, and then find an answer, and certainly that is true in the text that we're going to look at today. So turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a psalm that comes to us against the backdrop of a horrible sin committed by King David, by David when he was king. You will recall the story of this particular sin when on an occasion, David seduces another man's wife and then in an effort to cover his sin, he arranges to have her husband murdered, killed. And that sin haunted him. It created all kind of questions in his mind as sin does. David began perhaps immediately to say, what have I done? Why did I do that? What was I thinking? How could I have slipped so far into this position? He he found himself in a place that he never dreamed he would be. And you know, most of us could say that at one time or another in our life, we too have done things that have caused us to ask the question, what in the world was I thinking? What's wrong with me? How could I have done that? How could I have made that decision? And as we begin to ask those questions of ourselves, we are long brought to a place where we ask the question, I wonder if God can even forgive me. David struggled with his sin, so he even writes about it in Psalm 32. He writes about the struggle that he has with this sin. And he struggles with this for almost a year, sleepless nights. I mean, this impacted him spiritually. It impacted him emotionally. It impacted him physically. Did you know that sin can impact us physically? Physically. We can get sick, and it can impact us emotionally, and it can impact us spiritually. That's the reason God hates sin. He hates sin because he doesn't want you to struggle spiritually and emotionally and physically. And God knows the end result. He knows where it leads us, and he says, Don't do that because I know what it's going to cost you if you do that. Well, it began to cost David almost a year. He struggled with this until he was finally confronted by Nathan. And as Nathan confronts him with a sin and tells him a story that, that gets his attention and then says to him, this story is not a fictional story. It's you, David. You're the man. You are the one who's done this. His response was one of absolute honesty, and in his open and honest response, he found the answer to the question, will God forgive me? And the answer is yes. And David was able to embrace, even after the most horrible experience of his life, the forgiveness of God. Now, there are certainly consequences that go along with that that don't go away, but He was able to know the forgiveness of God. And in Psalm 51, what we have is really the journey that that David takes to get to the place where he has the answer to the question. And he gives us what I would say are five steps that we can take toward forgiveness. You see, forgiveness for us originates in the cross. We heard that in the song. Jesus died to give us forgiveness to purchase for us a right relationship that he took the first step to offer forgiveness. But there are are steps that we need to take. And David gives us five steps that we are to take to embrace the forgiveness that God makes available to us. And so let's look at those steps together as we... Read this text. Beginning with verse 1, chapter 51, we find these words. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only I have sinned. And I have done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inmost being and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which have been broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. and Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, and the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole offerings. The young bull will be offered on your altar. In such honest confession, David comes face to face with his sin. And he asks that question, God, is it possible for you to forgive me? And he finds the answer. And I think he does because he gives us five steps that that you and I can follow and take to know the forgiveness he knew. So with that in mind, let, let me give you those five steps in our time together. First of all, I I want you to recognize with me that this first step is a step of faith. Forgiveness always begins with faith. And we see that in verse one. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. What, What David does is he appeals to God's He appeals to God's loving kindness. He appeals to God's mercy. He appeals to God's grace. He doesn't appeal to God's justice because he knows he doesn't need justice. He needs mercy. He doesn't need justice. He needs grace. He needs the long-suffering of a loving, gracious God. Psalm 130 tells us, if you, O oh Lord, marked iniquities, who could stand? It's interesting in that word mark, it really is a, it's an accounting term. It means that if you keep a ledger, God, if 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 you, if there's a ledger and my name at the top, and every time I sin, you put a check by my name, I would never be able to stand. Oh my goodness, who could stand before you? I I don't need the justice of God. I appeal instead to your mercy, God. Deal with me according to 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 who you are, not according to who I am. The first step is to say, God, don't deal with me according to who I am. I know who I am. I know I have sinned. I know that there is no excuse. I know that, that you are just. He even says in the text before us against you and you alone have I sinned in verse 4 so that you are justified when you speak. You are blameless when you judge. There is no excuse that I can offer. And so I don't appeal to you because of who I am. I appeal to you because of who you are. This is what I know about you. You, 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 You're a loving God. You're a gracious God. You're a merciful God. You're a long-suffering God. You're a kind God. So I don't come to you because I deserve to come to you. I come to you asking that you will deal with me according to who you are. And the faith and the confidence that he has in God. This is what I know about God. Why do I ask forgiveness? Not because I deserve it, but because I know something about God. And what is it that I know about God? He's gracious, he's kind, he's merciful, and he appeals to that. So the first step for us to take is a step of faith. God, have mercy on me. The second step that he takes, though, is a necessary step. And because he realizes God is merciful and because he realizes God is gracious, he's honest about his sin. See, one of the things that I've discovered about life is that most of us, we're we're all about accepting credit when we do something good. But we have a tendency to sidestep the blame when we do something bad. If I'm wrong, I don't want to accept the responsibility for that. I'll sidestep that and let somebody else take it. But David doesn't. And the honesty that he offers before God and. acknowledges the seriousness of his sin as he ultimately says, God, here it is. I'm going to own it. My transgression, my iniquity, my sin, he uses those terms, is ever before me. I'm guilty. I have no other word to say except that I'm guilty of iniquity. The word iniquity literally means to twist or pervert. He said, God, I am guilty of twisting and perverting your word. There are things you've told me not to do, and I've made excuses as to why I can do that. What that means is I have twisted your word. And I have said, well, God meant that years ago, but he doesn't mean that now. Under these circumstances, there are exceptions that I can make. And he said, God, I want to tell you something. I am guilty of perverting and twisting your word to make it fit what I want. Forgive me of my iniquity. The next word he uses to describe his sin is transgression. The word transgression literally means to be a rebel, to deliberately go against. What David is saying is I sinned with my eyes open. I know what God wants. I knew you don't want me to do this, and I did it anyway. I chose to willfully disobey you. And so I'm not going to make excuse for it. I'm not going to say it's my mom's fault. I'm not going to say it's the culture's fault. I'm not going to say it's the world's fault. I'm not going to say I made these decisions because of the environment around me. I did this knowing. This isn't what you want. And so in honesty, he said, God, I've twisted and perverted your truth. I have rebelled against you and deliberately and then the next thing he says is, 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 Forgive my sin. The word sin means to miss the mark. I've shared this with you on numerous occasions. This really is the picture of a person that is shooting an arrow with a bow at a, at a target with a bullseye. And we've missed the mark, we've missed it. The, the, the mark is perfection. And David is saying, I missed it, I'm not. I might have come close, and some of us may come closer to others, but the reality is that we have all missed it. My sin, he says, is ever before me. And then he says this, isn't it interesting? Against you and you only have I sinned. Well, well, what about Bathsheba? What about Uriah, her husband, who who was murdered. How in the world can you say you've sinned against God, but you hadn't sinned against them? And ultimately what David was recognizing is that it is impossible to sin against others apart from sinning against God. That every sin I commit is against God. And I can't even wrong others without sinning against God. Every obligation that I have to man has its foundation in God's law. God is the one who tells me not to kill. God is the one who tells me not to steal. God is the one who tells me how I am to respond to other people. And any wrong I do against another person is is a sin against God and the the foundation of his law. And then he goes a step further and says, not only that have I sinned against you, but I was shaped in iniquity while in my mother's womb. I was born in sin. What David does in this honest appraisal is he traces his actions all the way back to his sinful nature. And he says, you know what? I'm a sinner by nature and by choice. I'm a sinner because of what I've done and chose to do. Because of my iniquity, I've perverted and twisted your rules. I've rebelled against you. I've missed the mark. But not only that, I'm a sinner by nature, because I was born into a sinful world. Every one of us are sinners today by nature and by choice. Now, God certainly doesn't hold us accountable for being born in sin. If a child, we're going to have baby dedication in our later service today. And, And what I will say to those that are present is we're committing to pray for these little ones because we believe that the Bible teaches that until a child is old enough to understand their sin and recognize right from wrong, they are protected by God's grace. But there comes a time when they are old enough to understand right from wrong, and they will be held accountable by God for their sin. We are sinners by nature and choice. That's the reason you don't have to teach your children to lie. They just know how to do that, don't. And you know what I've discovered? My sons knew how to lie before they knew how to talk. I can ask them the question. I could walk in a room, and one of them would be crying, and I would say, Did you take that toy from your brother? He didn't even know how to talk, but he knew how to lie. We are sinners by nature and by choice. And so what David is saying is this. We need forgiveness not just because of what we've done. We need forgiveness because of who we are. Our sin has separated us from God. If I could take those words as we have discovered them together and put it together and read that verse that pertains to it, it would be something like, yes, Lord, I have perverted your law. I willfully disobeyed your will. I failed to be what I ought to be. I can't forget it. My sin is ever before me. The wrong that I did was against you. And not only did I do wrong, I am wrong from the deepest part within me. I'm a sinner. You know, David discovered something that the Bible would reveal to us in the New Testament years later where we find in 1 John 1, 9, God say if you are willing to confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you confess, the word confess means more than just admit it. it It's to agree with God about it. It's to do what David is doing here to say, I'm a sinner. I I, I take full responsibility for it. I don't pretend that it's not there. I see it, not just in what I do, but in who I am. And the third thing that he does, now that he has recognized that he is a sinner and he has appealed to the mercy of God and recognized that God is merciful and gracious The third thing he does, and this is an imperative. You see, it's not enough just to know that you are a sinner. It's not enough to just know that God is merciful. We've got to ask for forgiveness, and that's what he does next. He prays. The third step to receive forgiveness is to pray, to ask for forgiveness. In verse 6 down through verse 9, he longed to be forgiven, and then he asked for it. He said, purge me. The word purge is an interesting word. It's a technical term. It describes what happened in the Old Testament when a person in the Old Testament get, uh, possessed a, uh, a contagious disease like leprosy. If they were ever cured of leprosy, or if, if, if maybe there was a, a thought that they had it and, and, and later on it wasn't leprosy and they were, or in the case of the New Testament, when a person had leprosy and Jesus healed them. Jesus would always say to them, go show yourself to the priest to prove to them that you are clean. You are no longer a leper. There's no signs of leprosy so that they can declare that you are clean and now you can have access to everybody else. If you have a communicable disease, you are an outcast. You, as a leper, had to say unclean when people got close to you so that, 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 that you could have nothing to do with them, that you wouldn't give the disease to them. And, and the word purge is a technical term that says, God, I pray that you will declare that I'm clean. I don't want to declare I'm clean. I want you to. God, I admit my sin, so I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to take my sin away. I'm asking you to, to declare <clears throat> that I am clean. Wash me, he says. It's a laundry term, the washing of a garment. Cleanse me. God, wash me. You and I on this side of the cross know that that washing takes place through the blood of Jesus. That it was the blood of Jesus shed for us that makes it possible for our sin debt to be forgiven. And we are washed. He uses another term and says, blot out my sin. The word blot out is an interesting word. In fact, in the book of Acts, The Bible says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. It's an interesting word. It carries a connection to writing on a scroll or on parchment. During Jesus' day, the scribes would dip their quill in ink and they would write on a parchment which was made of leather or papyrus that had been um, beaten and put together and, and 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 provided a paper form for them, they would take their their quill, dip it in ink, and they would write. But the ink that they had during jesus day was different than the ink we have today. The ink that we have today has has acid in it. And, and when we write on a piece of paper, it literally binds to that paper. That acid kind of leeches in and hangs on. In Jesus's day, that didn't happen. And so as they would write on that parchment, it wasn't until it dried that it would stay there. But if there was a mistake, they could take a, a little sponge and dip it in water and they could literally wipe it away as if it was never there. And there's the term, "blotted out. I'm not asking you, God, to just, to, to just cover my sin. I want you to, to act as if it never existed. I want you to remove it completely. We're going to discover later on, there's another psalm where the psalmist describes Jesus, our God, doing just that when he says that you have removed my sin and you have cast it into the depths of the sea. Well, I love that the depths of the sea some have determined that there are parts of the ocean in a particular rift that are over thirty six thousand feet deep, seven miles. the highest i mean if you if you think of 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 some of the mountains that people climb today, one of the tallest would be twenty nine thousand feet, and this is all of a sudden thirty 6,000 feet deep to the depths of the sea. And then he says this. He said, you have taken my sin and you have removed it as far as the east is from the west. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you glad he didn't say as far as the north is from the south? Because you know that you've traveled long enough north, you're going to start going south, right? If you go north far enough, there's going to come a point when you're going to begin to go south. And if you go south far enough, there's going to become a point where you go north. But that's not true with east and west. You can leave here and go east and go east forever. You can leave from here and go west and go west forever. He said, I will separate your sin. I will blot it out. He is saying, God, would you blot that out? So that there's no memory of it. Isaiah says it this way. Though your sins be scarlet, they will be white as snow. They they are red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Listen, you and I don't need to turn over a new leaf. We just need to be forgiven of our sin and restored in right fellowship with God. The fourth step that he offers is simply this. It's repentance. It's a necessary step of forgiveness, but one that's often overlooked. Repent means to turn from. In verse 13 down through verse 15, David says, Lord, if you forgive me, I will walk in your ways. I am confessing my sin, asking for forgiveness, and I'm going to turn from walking in my way to walk in your way. The word repent means a bowed face. It means a change of direction. It means that, that I am having a change in my heart that, that translates into a change in my behavior. I will walk in your ways. I will be grateful, God, to walk in your ways and be delivered from the attitude of my heart. I will never go back to what you have delivered me from. I turn in repentance. The fifth thing that he says to us is so closely related to the fourth that I could almost put them together. The the fifth one is brokenness. It's another area that we don't talk about much. But what we recognize with David is that there is a sincerity over the situation. He recognizes how serious his sin is. It breaks his heart because he realizes that he sinned against God. The attitude of some, and you have probably heard people say this, maybe you've even said it yourself in jest. Sometimes it's easier to get Forgiveness than permission. Heard that? What are we saying when we say that? What you're saying is, I want to do what God tells me not to do, and I'm going to presume upon His mercy and grace and goodness. Knowing that He's a forgiving God, I can do whatever I want to do, and God will forgive. But I want to tell you something God doesn't play games, He's not going to be manipulated. It is not easier to get forgiveness than permission because with that attitude, you're never gonna get permission or you're never gonna get forgiveness because forgiveness involves repentance, turning from my sin, not to it. Forgiveness involves a brokenness over my sin, an attitude of willful obedience would never allow God to bring about forgiveness. David says, God, I know you don't play games. You're not interested in sacrifices or I could give them to you. I'm a wealthy man. I can give you more sacrifices than any person. If it's a sacrifice that's going to solve this issue, oh, man, I can sacrifice hundreds. But that's not what you're interested in, God. What you're interested in is my heart. The brokenness and contrite heart I want to tell you this way, and maybe it makes sense. There's a difference between repentance and remorse. Some of us are sorry for our sin, but we don't turn from it. I I, I can illustrate it to you with two individuals in the life of Jesus, just before Jesus was crucified. We know that Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. After he was betrayed, he was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was brought into Caiaphas' palace, and a mock trial takes place. And there was another character, though, in that part of the story. Peter follows Jesus into the courtyard of Caiaphas, and it's in the courtyard of Caiaphas that this young girl comes up to him and says, wait a minute, I... I know you, You're with, you were one of his, his disciples. You were with him. You remember the story. Peter denies him. And she comes back later saying, no, I, I'm sure of it. You're with him. You even have a, an accent of a Galilean. I, I'm, I'm positive, guys. He, he was with Jesus and he denies him again. And, and you remember the third time he denies him and the rooster crows fulfilling what Jesus had said. What's interesting is that Simon Peter and Judas both blew it, right? But how'd they respond? The Bible tells us when Peter blew it, that he left and he went out and wept bitterly. How could I have done it? What have I done? It'll never be the same. He'll never love me again. I can't believe that I'm there. What about Judas? The Bible says Judas went out and hanged himself. There's a difference in the two and how they respond. Repentance is always concerned about the relationship. Peter was worried about the relationship. Remorse, feeling sorry for what I've done, is usually more concerned about the consequences. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that because there are consequences that follow. I wish I hadn't done that because God might punish me for what I've done and we're more interested in the consequences. But when we're interested more in the relationship, let me tell you what happens. We begin to say, Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me regardless of the consequences. I don't care what it costs. Forgive me. I want to be restored in right fellowship with you. But if I'm just feeling bad about my sin, my prayer is, God forgive me and eliminate the consequences so that I don't have to suffer for what I've done. In the text before us, we've recognized five steps that David takes. And you like David today need forgiveness, not just for what you've done. But for who you are, a sinner. And like David, you can receive that forgiveness by faith. When you say, God, you shouldn't forgive me, but I know that you are a gracious and kind and merciful and loving God. And because I believe that, I'm going to, by faith, ask you to forgive me, I will be honest about my sin. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I have perverted your truth. I have twisted your law. I have openly rebelled and done exactly what you told me to do, and I knew when I did it that it wasn't what you wanted. And I failed to be the person I ought to be, and I own it. And now I pray and ask God that you'll forgive me. And I turn from my sin as best I know how. <laughs> it didn't mean I'm gonna be perfect. It's not the perfection of your life, it's the direction of your life. We turn from that. God, I don't wanna live that way anymore. I wanna be redeemed from that. I wanna be restored in right fellowship with you. So God, I turn, I willfully turn from that and I ask you to give me the strength to stay with my back against that to walk in the direction that you lead me because I'm broken over the fact that we're not what we used to be and I don't have a relationship with you. One of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in all the Bible is in John 21 when Peter thought that the rest of his life he would be haunted by his decision. He meets Jesus on the seashore Jesus restores him by saying to him, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And Simon says, Lord, you know, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And the second time Jesus says to him, Simon, do you love me more than these? And You remember there's a play on words. Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you love me with God's love? And when Peter answered, he says, I owe you. I, I love you like a brother. I don't, I don't know that I can, I don't even know where I am. Jesus asked him the second time, do you agape me? And he said, Lord, I, I, I phileo you. I, I love you, but you, you know all things. Feed my sheep. And the third time Jesus said to him, Simon Peter, do you phileo me? He changed the word. And he said, do you even like me? And Peter was once again broken to say, God, my sin has separated from me, me from you, and I don't think it'll ever be the same. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, it will be. Do you follow me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my sheep. And he restored him. And I want to tell you, there are those of you that are Christians today, and since you have walked with God, you've done things that you think will separate you from God forever. And that's not true. If we take these five steps, we can be forgiven and restored True repentance is interested in relationship. Remorse is interested in consequences. Are you interested in that relationship? And if you're here today and have never accepted Jesus, that's the steps you've gotta take. He's already taken the first step. He came and died so that you could be forgiven. And now it's your turn to take a step, a step of faith, a step of honesty, a step of prayer, a step of repentance and brokenness to be restored in right fellowship with him. Father, I thank you for the message you have given us today. And I know that there are some in this room who have asked that question before. God, can you forgive me? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Can we be restored to right fellowship? Yes. Yes. And so I pray that today would be the day that we would be restored to you as we take these steps towards you. For those that are here today that have never accepted jesus isn't it about being baptized it's not about being church members it's about finding a relationship with you and the only way we can is for our sin to be dealt with we are sinners by nature and choice and so i pray that holy spirit you would speak and as you call people to yourself they would together say god forgive me i ask you to forgive me of my sin because i believe that you are a merciful gracious god I believe, Jesus, you came and lived and died. And because I believe that, I confess to you I am a sinner. I don't make an excuse for it. I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I turn from it to you. God, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. Restore me. Bring me into a relationship with you. And even as they pray that prayer, God, I know you've heard them and you've answered it. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: From everyone at Southcliffe Church Thank you for joining us today If you would like more information about Southcliffe Church Please go to Southcliffe.com To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry Send an email to scpodcast at southcliffe.com That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.